You're listening to Experimental History. I'm Adam. We've come to Things Could Be Better, uh, which is fitting because tomorrow is its one-year anniversary. Happy birthday, Things Could Be Better. Um, This was uh, a real turning point for me because I, at this, up until this point, was writing scientific articles for journals and feeling really bad uh, and being like, man, the words just come out sounding dumb. <laughs> like, what? what's wrong with me? Why can't I get better at this? And uh, I was struggling with this project with my friend Ethan, and we were trying to make it uh, work. Um, and we couldn't. We couldn't write this article without hating ourselves. And finally, we hit this breaking point where we were like, what if we just wrote it honestly? Um, what if we like stopped trying to do an impression of uh, a serious scientist and um, wrote it in a way that anybody could understand? And uh, that now sounds like the most obvious idea in the world, but it really opened my mind uh, at the time. So, um, so here we go. Uh, it's called Things Could Be Better. And uh, the subtitle is Eight Studies Reveal a Possibly Universal Bias in Human Imagination doing this in one take. Some scientists get their ideas while beholding the wonders of the cosmos. Some scientists get their ideas while cutting their way through the Amazon with a machete. I get my scientific ideas while eating omelets with my friend Ethan. One day we were at the diner trying to figure out why some things seem good and other things seem bad. For instance, why do people hate Congress and love their phones? Obviously the answer is Congress is bad and my phone is good, but what's actually happening in people's heads when they say that? If you ask a psychologist to explain how this works, they'll give you a blank stare. We figured that judgments must be built on comparisons. To say that something is bad is really to say that it's worse than something else. The thing you compare it to is just whatever pops into your head, even if it doesn't exist or can't exist. Basically, if you can easily imagine something being better, then it must not be very good. So Congress seems bad because it's easy to imagine how Congress could be way better. For starters, it could have fewer villains. But phones seem great because it's hard to imagine huge improvements. Even if their batteries lasted much longer, for instance, it wouldn't change phones from terrible to amazing. If the mind works like that, it would make a ton of sense. It would also explain why people get really mad about things they can't actually change, but they can easily imagine being better, like Congress, or the threat of nuclear war, or traffic. We thought that would be a pretty neat thing to discover, so we finished our omelets and started running studies. And we were totally wrong. (laughs) Instead, we discovered something weirder. We keep seeing it over and over again, and we can't figure out how to make it go away. (laughs) That's like a poltergeist. Today, I'm here to tell you all about it. It goes like this. When people imagine how things could be different, they almost always imagine how things could be better. I'm going to show you eight studies, plus a bonus study, documenting this effect and trying to figure out why it happens and what it means. The phenomenon appears to be incredibly robust. It doesn't depend on the wording of the question, what we ask about, the kind of people we ask, or the language we ask the question in. We think it might offer a peek into human nature, and it may explain why it's so hard for people to get happier. This is a real scientific paper. (laughs) You know that because, of course, real scientific papers always tell you that they are real. Except, you don't have to pay a million dollars to access it. You can get all the data, code, materials, and pre-registrations here. There's a link. That includes the wording of every question and everything else you need to replicate every study. And you can cite the project like this. There's a citation. Now for the science. This section's called Participants. 
Most participants came from either Amazon Mechanical Turk or Prolific, which are sites where you can sign up to take studies for money. Study 7 participants were recruited for us by a company called Qualtrics. Everybody earned between $1 and $1.20, and the studies took a few minutes. We included lots of attention checks and tossed out anyone who didn't pass them, but we still paid them regardless. Here's study 0. What's on your mind? We wanted to ask people to imagine how a bunch of things could be different, but we didn't want to pick the things ourselves, since that might bias the results. So we started this project by getting 91 people to list things they think about or interact with on a regular basis. We kept all the items that were listed by six or more people, except for a few items that we thought wouldn't be relevant to everybody. For instance, we dropped girlfriend because we figured not everybody has a girlfriend. That left us with 52 items like your phone and people and the economy. Study 1. How could things be different? We got another group of 243 people, showed each person six random items from our list, and asked people how those things could be different. For example, you might be asked, how could YouTube be different? While your friend might be asked, how could food be different? You might say, YouTube could load faster, and your friend might say, food could be more expensive, or whatever. Then we asked people, if that thing was different in this way, how much better or worse would it be? People gave a rating on a scale from negative 3, much worse, to 0, neither better nor worse, to 3, much better. What we wanted to know was, when asked how something could be different, do people on average imagine how it could be better, worse, or neither? The answer was shockingly clear. People imagined how things could be better. Here are some examples. Us, how could your phone be different? Participants, it could be waterproof. Waterproof. It could be waterproof. It, my phone could be bendable and flexible. Brighter screen. Us, how could your life be different? Participants, I could be rich, have more money. I could be wealthy, so I wouldn't have to worry about finances so much. These are people taking studies for small amounts of money, so that makes sense. Us, how could YouTube be different? Participants, it could stop nagging me about trying their premium service every time I go to watch a video. Yes, absolutely. No ads. Fixing the algorithm to not screw over creators. This happened for every single item. In the chart below, items above the dotted red line uh, were items where people imagine that could be better on average. It's a chart where every in every item they do it. Uh, skip the chart. P people even told us how good things could be better. We had people rate how good each thing is right now, and pets got the highest rating. People loved pets more than vacations, more than friends, more than happiness and love. And yet, us, how could pets be different? Participants, be patient when it comes to food. Healthier slash less likely to get sick. It would be cool if they could talk. And in one participant's words, they could be immortal. Remember Immortal Dog, that old YouTube video? Nah, I could load faster. This wasn't what we expected. We thought people would naturally imagine how some things could be better and other things could be worse. Instead, they imagined how everything could be better. And it wasn't just a few people. Literally 90% of participants imagined how things could be better on average. In psychology, that pretty much never happens. Even with a question as obvious as, would you rather get $5 or get hit in the head with a wrench, you might get something like 90% of participants saying, $5 please, but the rest of them would say, wrench, either because they're trolling you or they have a wrench fetish. Scott Alexander calls this the lizard man constant. So what's going on? Here are three immediate thoughts we had. Number one, are people just complaining? Nope. Uh, when we asked people about how good thing, things are right now, people were perfectly happy to tell us that lots of things are great. In fact, only a few items got negative ratings on average, like news, politics, and the coronavirus. Number two, is this just one of many optimism biases? 
We already know that people have a general bias towards optimism, but optimism, there's other findings there, but optimism is the belief that things not only could get better, they will. So did our participants think that things will get better? Not really. We also asked participants how likely each of their imagined changes were, from zero, definitely will not happen, to 100, definitely will happen. The most common likelihood for positive changes was 0%, followed by 50%, followed by 80%. So people are imagining a mix of things that might happen and things that will definitely not happen, according to them. People are happy to speculate about their pets learning to talk, but they don't think it will happen anytime soon. People did think that good things are slightly more likely to happen than bad things, so there is a dash of optimism bias in here. It just doesn't explain the main finding. Number three, did people assume that when you ask, how could things be different, you really mean, how could things be better? This would make a lot of sense. If you ask an interior designer how your home could be different, they won't tell you, well, you could have a bunch of stray dogs come in here and barf everywhere, and then we could set your chase lounge on fire. That would be different. Instead, they'd probably tell you something like, we could paint it a nice shade of pearl. Maybe in most cases, people interpret requests for changes as requests for improvements. There's one piece of evidence against this possibility. 51% of participants gave us at least one way things could be worse. For instance, one person said that pets could have fleas. It would be pretty odd for participants to assume that obviously we wanted them to tell us how things could be better, and then they sometimes tell us how things could be worse. But hey, it's possible, so we ran another study. Study 2. Was it something we said? We got another group of 169 people and asked them, if we asked you how item could be different or better or worse or worse or better. We gave different options to different people. Would you assume that we wanted you to list ways it could be better, ways it could be worse, a mix of better or worse? Would you not assume any of the above or are you not sure? Sure enough, a slight majority thought different meant better. Most people thought that asking for ways something could be better or worse or worse or better meant we wanted a mix of better and worse. There's a lot of charts here, but just take my word for it. Great, we thought. If this is all about people thinking different equals better, if you ask them to imagine how things could be better or worse, or worse or better, they should give you different answers. Study three, better and worse make no difference. We got another 158 people and ran study one again with slightly different wording. This time, we, we asked half of them, how could whatever item be better or worse? And the other half, how could whatever item be worse or better? It made no difference. Once again, people imagined ways that things could be better on average. This again happened on every item, and in fact, the ratings were virtually identical across all three wordings. So this doesn't seem to be about the wording of the question. Okay, we thought, do people only do this when we ask them weird questions like, how could your refrigerator be better or worse? Or do people do this naturally in their everyday lives? Study four. Hey, what are you thinking about? To find out, we got another sample of 154 people and simply asked them to list three thoughts they had recently that were about how something could be better or worse. Then we asked them whether those thoughts were about how something could be better, worse, or neutrally different. Two-thirds of the thoughts people reported were about how something could be better. Another chart there. At this point, it seems like people have a pretty strong tendency to think about how things could be better. But which people? We checked whether people's tendency to imagine how things could be better had anything to do with their gender, race, education, or politics. It didn't. 
Older people did this more than younger people in study one, but not in studies two or three. Of course, there's a lot more to people than whether they are old or whether they have a high school diploma, famously. We thought being anxious, depressed, or neurotic might make a big difference. Maybe people who feel really bad can easily think of ways things could be better. For instance, I could feel less bad. Or maybe they feel bad because they're always thinking about ways that things could get worse. What if I die alone? It would be cool to know either way, so we ran another study. Study 5. Individual Differences We re-ran study 1 with another 250 people. This time, we also had them fill out a depression scale, an anxiety scale, and a Big Five personality questionnaire, which includes a measure of neuroticism. Sometimes this is called emotional stability because that sounds nicer. Once again, people imagined how every single item could be better. That's replication, baby. Depression and anxiety made no difference. People imagined how things could be better regardless of how depressed or anxious they were. Just look at how flat these trend lines are, and trust me, they're flat. Neuroticism didn't matter either, controlling for all other personality variables. But weirdly enough, people who were more open to experience were more likely to imagine how things could be better. We don't have any explanation for this, and maybe it doesn't mean anything. No other personality variables made any difference. These results really surprised us. You'd think depressed, anxious, and neurotic people would be especially able to think of ways things could be better, or that they would always be worrying about ways things could get worse. But nope. They look just like everybody else. Of course, so far, we've only been looking in the good old U.S. of A. Famously, some people live in the United States and other people do not. What if this, this effect is all about being an American? Maybe there's something in our can-do culture that makes us always imagine how things could be better. So, study six, Polish folks. So we got 95 Polish people, gave them the same list of items, and asked them how each thing could be different. This was a direct replication of study one, just with a different population. Why Polish people, you might ask? To which we say, what, you got a problem with, with the Polish? Not a fan of pierogi, punchki, and dingus day? And here I have an Im image of dingus day in southern Poland, where men wander, wander around the town in colorful handmade costumes in search of women to soak with water. That's Dingus Day. Also, there just happened to be a sizable number of English-speaking polls on the website we used to recruit participants, so we went with Poland. By one measure of cultural differences, the U.S. is about as far from Poland as it is from India, Russia, South Korea, and Zambia. So this seemed like a good opportunity to test whether culture makes a difference. It didn't. Polish people also told us how things could be better. Again, this happened on every single item. I wish you could see these charts. They got a lot of dots on them. These Polish folks were answering in English, though. So it's still possible that there's something unique about the English language that leads people to imagine how things could be better. What if we ask people from a different culture in a different language? Study 7, Mandarin. We had the whole study translated into Mandarin Chinese. Huge thanks to our research assistant, Megan Wang, for doing the translation and Vanna Ching for proofreading the translated survey. We then recruited 307 Mandarin-speaking Chinese citizens who currently live in China. We adapted the items a bit for this sample. We replaced Google with Baidu, etc., but otherwise the design was a replication of study three. We randomized people to imagine different, better, better or worse, or worse or better. I realize I, I haven't fully explained. You, you like you take this study and it's like, how could love be different? And then you write it, right? Like, oh, there could be more love. And then we pipe that back to you and ask, if it were different in that way, how much better or worse would it be? I hope that's clear. But anyway, the results were exactly the same. 
for every single item, participants imagine how things could be better on average. There's another chart that shows exactly the same thing all the other charts have shown. Okay, here we get to uh, study eight. Uh, right, that last study was, was in Mandarin with Chinese participants get the same thing. Um, study eight, I have a confession to make. I don't remember why we ran this study. I definitely remember seeing the results and going, yes, we nailed it. It all makes sense. But now I can't remember why. I asked Ethan about it, and he was like, bro, I do not even remember running this one. So if you can figure out why we ran the study, please let us know. And just a, a, a later edit here. Dozens of people have now written to us uh, with uh, theories about why we ran study eight. If you have one, you can too. Anyway, here's what we did. We got another 187 people and randomly assigned them to imagine how each item could be better, worse, or different. We told them they'd earn a 25 cent bonus if they listed more ways than the average participant did. That's a small amount of money in the scheme of things, but it seems bigger when you're doing a short study for a dollar. People actually came up with fewer ways that things could be better compared to worse or just different. People assigned to imagine better came up with five ways on average, while people assigned to imagine different or worse came up with 5.5 ways. So even though people have a huge bias toward thinking about how things could be better, it's actually harder to do that than to imagine how things could be worse. Somehow they do it by default anyway. This section is called a quick recap. When you ask people to imagine how things could be different, they imagine how things could be better. This doesn't depend on how we word the question, and it happens in people's everyday thoughts. Everybody seems to do it. Demographics makes little difference. Polish people also imagine how things could be better, as do Chinese people answering in Mandarin. And people imagine how things could be better, even though it appears to be harder than imagining how things could be worse. This tendency may be fundamental, because it seems awfully hard to make it go away. As I've written before, lots of published psychological findings may be a big stinking load of hogwash. Some of that is because of statistical misunderstandings, some of that is because of outright fraud, but some of that is because most of what we discover in psychology is extremely contextual. Often, if you change the circumstances even a tiny bit, the effects change too. So far, this finding doesn't seem to be like that. We can't find a single thing that people on average imagine being worse. Nor have we found any group of people that doesn't seem to do it. In psychology, this pretty much never happens, so we're excited. This section is called, What About Our Original Hypothesis? It does look likely we were wrong about the whole thing where people think Congress is bad because they can easily imagine how Congress could be better. People could easily imagine how everything can be better. We did sometimes find that people were more likely to say that bad things could be better compared to good things, but not always. We found the opposite in study four, when we asked people about their naturally occurring thoughts, and in study seven, when we asked people in Mandarin. In those studies, the more that people thought something was already good, the more they thought about how it could be better. And in study eight, when we asked people to come up with ways things could be better, they came up with just as many improvements for good things as for bad things. We're not really sure why that happened. Regardless, we think it's safe to send our original hypothesis to that big farm upstate where it can run and play with the other falsified hypotheses. This section is called, Why Does Imagination Work Like This? Honestly, who knows? Brains are weird, man. When all else fails, we can always turn to natural selection. Maybe this bias helped our ancestors survive. Hungry, rain-soaked hunter-gatherers imagined food in their bellies and roofs over their heads and invented agriculture and architecture. 
Once warm and full, they outreproduce their brethren who are busy imagining how much hungrier and wetter they could be. But really, this is a mystery. We may have uncovered something fundamental about how a human imagination works, but it might be a long time before we understand it. This section is called, Perhaps This Is Why You Can Never Be Happy. Everybody knows about the hedonic treadmill. Once you're moderately happy, it's hard to get happier. But nobody has ever really explained why this happens. People say things like, oh, you get used to good things, but that's just a description, not an explanation. Why do people get used to good things? Now we might have an answer. People get used to good things because they're always imagining how things could be better. So even if things get better, you might not feel better. When you live in a cramped apartment, you dream of getting a house. When you get a house, you dream of a second house. Or you dream of lower property taxes, or a hot tub, or two hot tubs, and so on forever. This section is called A Final Note About Doing Science. The paper you just read or listened to could never be published in a scientific journal. The studies themselves are just as good as the ones Ethan and I have published in fancy journals. But writing about science this way is verboten. For instance, in a journal, you're not allowed to say things like, we don't know why this happens. You're not allowed to admit you forgot why you ran a study. And you're definitely not allowed to talk about Dingus Day. You're supposed to be very serious. A reviewer once literally told me that my paper was too fun and that I should make it more boring. You're supposed to pack your paper with pointless citations because reviewers might like your paper more if they see their name in it. And if reviewers don't like your paper, they'll reject it and nobody will ever see it. This is a stupid way to do science. It goes against every single one of the scientific virtues. It leads to publication bias. Reviewers prefer studies with statistically significant results that confirm their pre-existing biases, filling the literature with junk articles, uh, junk articles, hi, I'm junk articles, junk articles that are often never cited at all. Doing peer review this way also costs more than a billion dollars a year, money that could instead be spent on more elaborate Dingus Day costumes. Instead, you can review this paper right here in the comments, or on your own blog, or on Twitter, if it still exists by the time you read this. And if you can find us on the street, you can shout your review directly at us, and we'll shout back. Remember, you can find everything you need to replicate all of our studies and analyses here. If we did publish this in a journal, there's a good chance you wouldn't be able to read it at all unless A, you belong to an institution that pays millions of dollars in scientific journal subscriptions, or B, you use a pirate website like Sci-Hub, which we of course do not recommend because it's illegal and bad. It's almost as if we can't help but imagine ways that scientific publishing could be better. Somebody should write a paper about that. That's experimental history. Okay, that was Things Could Be Better. Thank you so much for listening. You can find all the posts at www.experimental-history.com. You can also sign up to be a paid subscriber and um, and literally be a god of science that, that makes uh, things like this happen. Um, otherwise, uh, thanks for listening. The music uh, is by Brandon Rojar, who is uh, Peak and Pit on Spotify. Photography by my dad. Um, words by uh, me. See you soon. <laughs>